If you will, turn in your Bibles to the seventh chapter of the Gospel of Matthew as we continue our study through the Word. So chapter 7 is now the final chapter of what is known as the Sermon on the Mount. Chapters 5, 6, and 7. This is the, the sermon that Jesus gave there on the hillside uh, close to Capernaum. And you'll remember that there was the crowd and he withdraws from the crowd and, and he begins to teach his disciples. And, and you'll remember uh, how it began with the Beatitudes and, and then from the Beatitudes on to the the similitudes and and Jesus now just talking about the the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who who mourn. Blessed are the poor in spirit and and the similitudes. You are the salt of the earth. You are the the light of the world. And and so here we see that he from there began to talk about the law and that he didn't come to replace the law, but he came to fulfill the law. As as Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. What does it look like to now be a part of the kingdom of God? And so he is kind of laying forth the kingdom principles. And, and then he began to talk about the true meaning of the law. You'll remember how they had taken the law and added to it. And they had manufactured all of these additional uh, requirements. And, and it was very much dealing with the external. And, and Jesus came to talk and to say that, you know, you've heard it said, but I say unto you, you've heard it said, don't commit murder. Now, that's the external action. Don't commit murder. God has declared that. But he says, uh, but I say unto you uh, that he who is angry has hatred in his heart uh, is guilty of that sin. And, and Jesus was talking about the trajectory of sin that begins first in the heart. And it dwells inside of us, and then finally it finds an expression after it has advanced. But the entire time that it is on that pathway, it is still the path of that sin. He went on to say, you've heard it said not to commit adultery. So there is the external action. He says, but I say unto you, if you have lusted after the woman in the heart, you're committed that sin. You haven't got it to full born yet, but that is still the, the sin. And so Jesus really deepened now the standard of holiness and, and righteousness and what it is that, that God desires from us. And, and really it's about the internal. It's about your heart and your heart towards God. And so they were keeping the, the externals, but they had no heart towards God. They had no relationship with God whatsoever. And so here Jesus now teaching us about the, the kingdom principles. You'll remember that he also was talking about our heart condition when it, uh, when it comes to doing charitable works and deeds and fasting and that we don't do our good works in order to be seen by men, but uh, we do them as an act of sacrifice that is acceptable to God. And so do it privately. Keep it between you and the Lord. And the Lord is going to reward you for that. You'll remember that, that he gave them the Lord's prayer last time and, and the model and prayer. And, and so Jesus instructing and teaching them with regards to that. And, and then you'll remember that he talked about not worrying. 
that sufficient for today are the things of today. And, and why do you worry? Worrying won't change the, the outcome one bit whatsoever. You remember he said, oh, ye of little faith, because we're not trusting in the Lord. When we were worrying, we're not trusting the, the Lord. And so uh, exhorting us to not worry, to live in the present, to love with all of our hearts, the people that are around us and, and God, and not allow the fear of tomorrow, the fear of possible outcomes to rob us from today and our contentment in today. As we move into the seventh chapter, we're going to see that Jesus is just going to continue as he has been in these last two chapters, just taking a topic and just dealing it with it, the, showing how we have taken what God had intended or had expressed and now he has given substance to it. He is giving meaning to it. In verse 1 of this 7th chapter, Jesus says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back unto you. So, Jesus says, Judge not that you be not judged. Now, it's interesting to me because this is one of those verses that, uh, that you hear people that have never read the Bible, don't know any other verse in the entire Bible, they say, Oh, the Bible says, Don't judge me, man. You know, you're judging me. And, uh, and so somehow the world seems to think that when Jesus said, You know, not to judge, that he was talking about uh, giving unconditional approval to all behavior and to all actions. That's as far from the truth as you can possibly get. When Jesus says not to judge, what he is talking about is not to judge the unseen, not to judge what you're not able to judge. In other words, I can judge your actions. What I can't judge is your motive. I can't judge what's going on inside of you. Someone can say, you know, hey, I'm really sorry, and they're trying to apologize, and you're like, I don't believe that you're really sorry. And now what are you doing? You're judging an internal action within them. And so we are not to be judging motives and the things that we can't see in a person's life. And he says that if you start doing that, right, it goes back to the law of sowing and reaping. If you start telling people what's really in their heart, when you become an expert on, on somebody else and start to tell them what their intent was and what their motive was, what their true motive I know what you're really doing here and all. When you start sowing that, you're going to reap that back in your own life. And people are going to start doing that to you. And so you are going to go into this downward spiral. So he says, don't, do not be judging the intents of the heart. Now, we are absolutely uh, to judge actions. Uh, actions, we can see the actions and we can measure the actions against the, uh, the word of God. And we're going to see later on that he's going to tell us that you'll know them by their fruit. And so again, the ability to be able to hold actions and accountability. Jesus was telling us here not to judge what we cannot see. And he says, now, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you uh, as well. We see that once again, the measure that we use with others will be given back to us. This is something that Jesus taught throughout in Luke's gospel, chapter 6. He says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, 
it will be measured back to you. And, uh, and so uh, here we do want to be treating people graciously because we want to be uh, treated graciously uh, as well. He says in verse 3, And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? And so here is an illustration that is again drawn from a carpenter's uh, wood shop uh, here, talking about a, a speck uh, here. That's a, a metaphor for the, the smallest of, uh, uh, of things uh, here in the, the beam. This connotates a giant rafter that is used in construction, holding great weight. Uh, and so Jesus kind of uses these figures, you know, humorously to kind of create a picture of someone that has a giant rafter in their eye trying to help someone that has just uh, a little tiny speck in, in their eye. And so uh, once again, what is Jesus talking about here? Well, we see that we are not to judge others because we really can't see clearly. Our vision of other people is, it is clouded. Our judgment is always flawed by our own imperfections. And and so be careful. We also see that the, the warning of hypocrisy, that, that in our own lives, nobody is perfect. And so when we're going to start condemning others and throwing stones at others, we need to be careful because we ourselves are, are flawed all of us uh, sin and fall short of the uh, glory of God. And, and so the, the caution in verse 4, he moves on to speak about you know, hypocrisy. He says, or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye. And look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite. First, remove the plank from your own eye. And then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's uh, eye. And so uh, here we see the uh, hypocrite. The, Jesus talks about the hypocrisy of the religious leaders, the pretending to be something that they are not. And, uh, and the true sin behind that is a self-righteousness. It is a, an absolving of self uh, of your actions uh, and accepting that you are more righteous than, uh, than other people. Jesus says here, first remove the plank from your own eye. Jesus didn't say not to help uh, others, to be able to help uh, others with a, a speck. That's a good thing to be able to do that with your, uh, with your brother, but not before dealing with your own heart, making sure that your own heart is right before God. And so God did not make us to be policemen running around handing out tickets to everybody. And uh, what he did call us to do is love everybody. And that he will be the judge of everyone. He goes on in verse 6 to say, Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you into pieces. Now, here we see what Jesus is talking about is he's talking about sharing the word of God. 
And he is talking about using discernment as to where and when you are going to share the word of God. He says, do not cast, do not give what is holy to the dogs. Now, uh, we see that back in Jesus' day, they didn't have pet dogs. Uh, the, the dogs that they had, the, uh, they would have a, a working dog with shepherds. But uh, other than that, they, they had wild uh, dogs that were scavengers that uh, roamed the street. They didn't uh, have pets, uh, dogs. They didn't have pillows with the pet's name uh, on them and, you know, and all. And they didn't stroll them around in baby carriages and, you know, put them in little bags and bring them into supermarkets. I, the other day I saw a double baby stroller with two dogs uh, in the baby stroller. Right? Jesus' day that you would not have seen people pushing dogs around in a, in a baby stroller. They, uh, they were considered to be vicious and diseased. They were scavengers. And he says, and you wouldn't take what's holy and give that to one of these scavengers. Now, giving what is holy was a reference to the sacrifices that they would make at the temple. You, you would bring your sacrifice and then they would offer it on the altar. And the priests would get a portion of the sacrifice and sometimes the worshiper, if it was a peace offering, they would get a, a part of the sacrifice and then there would be the part that was consecrated and given over to the Lord and that would be burnt up fully on the altar. So that part that was consecrated for God uh, only, he says, you wouldn't take that which is consecrated, which is holy un unto God, and give it to a, a, a scavenger dog. You, you, you would never do that. He says, nor would you throw pearls before uh, swine. Uh, here again, swine are scavengers. They're, uh, they're pigs. They will eat whatever you put uh, in front of them. And so they don't value pearls. If you throw something that is valuable before them, they'll eat it just like they do slop and food and, and everything else that they uh, rummage for. And so uh, we see that there is this lack of discernment. The swine have no ability to discern what is valuable and what is not valuable, and they will take what is valuable and treat it as if it is not valuable, he says. And, and then if you get in between them and food, they will turn on you and they will gore you. And so Jesus here is, you know, is talking about the way in which uh, we share that which is precious, that which is valuable, which is the, uh, the word of God. There are people who just kind of take the word of God and try and hammer people with it and try and force it uh, on them. And, and we see that what ends up happening with that is, is, is that that makes people angry and upset uh, when you do that. People who do not have a heart to hear the word of God we see that Jesus never forced the, the word of God. Jesus would say, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. He's not going to argue with people about the, the issue. And, uh, and so uh, when you are trying to, to bring the word of God 
truth to somebody that is not receptive, doesn't want to hear the truth, they will just be angry with you and be frustrated and get mad uh, at you. And, uh, and so uh, here again, Jesus is telling us that we're to be sensitive. I believe that the way to share the gospel is relationally. I believe that you build relationship and friendship, and then that friendship is what allows you the ability to be able to, to hand the truth across that bridge of relationship. But if you break down that bridge of relationship, then you've lost the ability to, to bring any more truth into that person's life. And so that, that discernment now of not just taking and throwing what is valuable, but, but being willing to allow the, the Spirit of God to lead you and to guide you with, uh, with that which is uh, precious. And, uh, and so uh, here we see that, that even Jesus, uh, you remember when Herod wanted to talk to him and Jesus would not speak and uh, he, he kept his mouth in the silent before him. He would not bring truth before uh, Herod. In verse 7 it says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find knock, and it will be opened to you. And, uh, and so um, here we see again, the, in the original language, it, it means ask and keep on asking, and seek and keep on seeking, and knock and, and keep on knocking. And so we see that it is a, a continuous, persistent action. You remember in the Lord's Prayer where it said, give us our uh, our daily bread, you know, coming to the Lord on a continuous basis to receive the, uh, the provision that we need for the, the day. Here we see that same sort of action, seeking and asking and knocking, pressing in on the, uh, the promises. And, and we see the, uh, the incredible promise that is given back to us uh, here that when you ask, God is listening. He cares. It is going to be given to you. Seek it. And you are going to find when you are seeking after God and when you are seeking more of God, you will find and, and knock and it is going to be opened up to you. And, and so we see this incredible exhortation from the Lord for us to be able to continue to press into the goodness of God. Continue to press into the goodness of God. Don't ever get content with the state of your relationship with God. God always wants, listen, God always wants to go deeper with you. God always wants to draw you into deeper waters, into deeper relationship with you, to reveal more of himself to us. And, and so continue to ask, continue to seek, continue to knock, continue to chase after the, the heart of God. It is about a, a relationship. And so discovering God and discovering the, the magnificence, the glory, the beauty, the holiness, the awesomeness of, of God. And here we see that Jesus is exhorting us. He says in verse 8, For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. And, and so for everyone who asks receives. Does that mean that God just gave us the American Express black card here that we can just go crazy with and whatever we want and we, all we have to do is, is we just have to ask? Well, 
I want to remind you that Jesus is talking to his disciples. Now, what is a disciple? Jesus is said to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and, and follow after me. It's about a disciple is about building the kingdom of God here upon this earth and bringing glory to God, not building my own kingdom and bringing glory to myself. So a disciple isn't going to say, Lord, give me a new Lexus. My old one is eight months old already and the new one has just come out, you know, and, uh, and all. A disciple isn't going to be asking for things like that. He's going to be asking for spiritual things, for the kingdom of God to expand in, in our own heart and in the hearts of those that we love and in the world that is uh, around us. No, knowing that all pain, listen, all pain in the world comes from sin. Sin is the root problem with all pain. And so this world is in a broken state. Sin is rampant, but the answer to sin is the holiness of God, the glory of God, the power of God, the restoration uh, of uh, God. And how glorious it is going to be during the millennial reign when Jesus Christ is going to rule in righteousness for a, a thousand years and the lion is going to lie down with the lamb and, and we're going to experience what God had intended for us to be able to live with one another here uh, upon the, uh, the earth. And so asking, seeking, knocking, it's going to uh, be blessed. You will be blessed as you chase after the, the heart of God. In verse 9, Jesus says, or, or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? And so, here again, talking about the way in which God delights to bless us. And, and when we come to God, we don't have to worry about the character of God. You know, in, in Greek mythology, you have the, the gods that would play jokes uh, on people and, uh, you know, and would do mean things in all. And, but we don't need to worry about that with, with the true and the living God because he is a loving, caring, gracious God. He is a good, good father. And, and so stones, uh, round stones could look like bread. And, and so if a son asks his dad for a piece of bread, his, his dad is not going to give him a, a stone instead and play a trick uh, on him and, uh, and all. And, and he says, and if he asks for fish, he's not going to be given a, a serpent. Now, uh, what the, Jesus is talking about there isn't, isn't a live serpent and a live fish. He's talking about cooked, a cooked piece of fish. He says uh, if the son asks for a, a piece of fish, he's hungry. He's not going to give him a, a piece of snake that has been cooked. In other words, a snake is defiled. Uh, and so he, he wouldn't switch out something that is, uh, is good uh, for something that would defile his, uh, his own son. And, and so once again, the, the character of God that Jesus is talking about here. In verse 11, he says, If you then, being evil... You know how to give good gifts uh, to your children. How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those uh, who ask him? In the scriptures, we see that it says that you have not because you 
because you ask not. And so here is Jesus again in another way exhorting us to continue to present our need before God that God might give us that provision. If we don't ask, then we're going to live this life in our own meager provision. Uh, And so we are exhorted to come to the Father. Come and receive our our daily manna. Come and ask. Come and seek. Come and and knock. Build your relationship with God. God is not going to force himself on you, but he's going to respond to you when you take a step towards him. And so we see the, uh, the, the constant invitation of us seeking after that relationship. Now, Think of how different that is versus just keeping a set of rules and regulations of the law. Just be obedient to these commandments. That's what they were doing, thinking that they were pleasing God. But here we see that Jesus is talking about a relationship. He's talking about seeking and chasing and knocking and and being in communion and fellowship with the Father. Not do's and don'ts, but a relationship. The, 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 the relationship has guidelines that will help it to, to be successful and fruitful. Uh, but uh, we are not to focus uh, on the, the rules uh, of the relationship. They are just the guidelines. Verse 12, Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. We see that this is what's known as the the golden rule. It's really a paraphrase of the second commandment. The second commandment says that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And and so we see the golden rule instructs us uh, as to how we are to love uh, other people. Every other form of this basic principle has been given in in purely negative terms. It's found in in literature and in every major religion and in philosophical system. But uh, we see in every case that the emphasis is always negative. We see that it's only Jesus who gives the fullness of the truth uh, here, which encompasses both the, the positive and the negative. And only Jesus can give the power to be able to to live by that in full truth. Whatever you want others to do, do unto them. And so the treatment of others, the loving of uh, others. In verse 13, Jesus now is talking about the the response. The response to, to truth. Jesus will declare, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except uh, through me. And, And Jesus here is now saying, enter by the narrow gate. He says, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that uh, leads to destruction. And, And there are many who go in by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. And so we see here that Jesus is contrasting and comparing now the, the, the narrow gate of coming through him to the Father. We see the, the wide gate 
That's the righteousness that the Pharisees had. That was the self-righteousness. But you remember how Jesus says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you're not going to enter into the the kingdom of God. The scribes and Pharisees were teaching that, that if you're Jewish, and you're God's and people, and, and you've got Abraham as your seed, you're, you're going to enter into the kingdom. But uh, here we see that Jesus is talking about the, uh, the fact that that path is narrow, that gate uh, is uh, narrow. And, uh, and so Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. That proverb warns us now the way in which we are masterfully able to deceive ourselves uh, with self-righteousness. That self-righteousness is that broad path. And what is the, the righteous standard to enter into the king? That's perfection. And that's not a standard that we can achieve, but it is a righteousness that is given to us in Jesus Christ. And so uh, everybody thinks that they are living righteously. Everybody will change the rules of righteousness to where it accommodates uh, them. Uh, And so how far that is from the righteous standard of uh, God. And so we see here that uh, that there are two different directions uh, that a person is going to go either the narrow gate uh, or the broad gate and and so Jesus taught that not all ways lead to heaven there are many people who like to believe that that all paths lead you're on your path I'm on my path and and you know what we all get to go to heaven and and here we see that Jesus clearly says that 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 is not so that there is a narrow gate that you have to that you have to enter into now people are going to come and they are going to declare things that are not true Simply not and true. And Jesus warns us uh, about that. And right here he says in verse 15, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. And you will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Uh, Even so, every good tree bears good fruit. But a bad tree bears bad fruit, and a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into fire. And so here Jesus warns of false prophets, those that are teaching things that just are not true. And how important it is to test everything against the scriptures, to test everything against the unchanging, infallible word of God. I love the fact that this Bible that we're holding, it isn't the second edition or third edition or 10th edition. There isn't edits and changes that are made and, and keep on keeping up with, with what is current. God spoke it. It is in truth. And we can measure everything against the non-changing standard of in truth. But 
There are those who will come and, and declare things that just simply aren't true. And we are to be aware of them. They will come in sheep's clothing, but, uh, but we see that, uh, that their actions and, and their fruit, you will know them by their fruit. And verse 20, Jesus says, therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. And so the first step to combating false prophets and, and fa is to simply be aware of them. To just simply be uh, aware. In verse 21, Jesus uh, now is going to talk about the true way into the kingdom. And, and he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And so here we see the, the people who are going to try and enter into heaven, they're aware of Jesus but they don't have a relationship with Jesus. And so what are they doing? They are counting on their good works. Lord, look at the good works that, uh, that I have done. And Jesus is going to say, you never made me Lord of your life. I never washed you of your sin. I never sealed you with the Holy Spirit. You never came to me for your salvation. You thought you were a good person and, and you just started doing things and, and thinking that that was going to, to get you to heaven. And so, once again, Jesus is talking about the necessity of lordship in our lives, not just an awareness of who Jesus is or the magnificent things that Jesus did in his earthly ministry or the fact that he's the savior of the world. That's not enough. The question is this, is he your savior? And this is the point that Jesus is, is making now. Now, to the Jews, the fact that the Messiah was there, that was fabulous. I mean, that, that was what they were waiting for. But the question is this, had they appropriated him to themselves? And so this now is what Jesus is talking about. He says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a, a wise man who built his house on the rock and, and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and, and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was uh, founded uh, on the rock. And so here Jesus is uh, talking about uh, the way in which we construct uh, our lives, the way that uh, you're living your life and the way that uh, I'm living my life. The wise person we see here that he says is a person who, who builds his house on the rock. You see, Jesus is the rock. And so to build our life on the rock is to take the truth that Jesus Christ has revealed and to incorporate it into your life and to live by that revealed truth. That is what is going to bring about the, the blessed relationship with God and the abundance of blessings that God created for you. God 
created you to experience the fullness uh, of this uh, earth and the blessings that, that he has. And then he gave you free will and, and he set you down. And, and now we can either govern ourselves uh, and try and find meaning and purpose and stumble into blessings or right, we can be led by the Holy Spirit and, and God will say, not this way, this way, and there's a blessing and over here, here's a blessing now, now I want you, and here's a blessing. And, and that's the, the fullness of life that we can experience. But each and every one of us, he's given us free will. He's not going to override. He's not going to force you. He's not going to make you. God is not going to make you do anything. The only thing that, that you are going to be forced to do if you have never done it before, is, is that one day you will be forced to bow the knee and to declare that Jesus Christ is Lord over all. But right now, until you take your last breath, God has given unto you absolute and free will. But once you have taken your last breath, now there will be a judgment. Now it is not going to be in your control any longer. And so knowing that, Jesus says, a wise man, he says he, he builds his life upon the, uh, the rock. He builds his life upon the truth that is revealed to him. Jesus has just revealed the truth of the kingdom of God. In these last three chapters of the, of the Sermon on the Mount, he, he, he has now shown what the righteous standard is. He has shown us the, the content to, uh, of our heart condition, and, and he has taught us to pray with the model prayer. He has given us the kingdom principles, and, and now he is saying, what are you going to do with that truth that has now just been given to you. And, and so we're either going to take that truth and look at it, and that was interesting, and set it aside and, and keep on going with our life, or, or we are going to take the truth that has been revealed to us, and, and we're going to incorporate that into our lives. Here we see that uh, the wise man, he says, he, he builds his life there upon the solid rock. He says, and, and then, what is the result of a person whose life is built upon truth? Well, he says, when the rain descends and the floods come and the winds blow and beat on that house because they will. Life is going to challenge every single one of us. Jesus said that no one gets a free pass. In this world, you will have tribulation. You are going to have tribulation in this world. No one gets uh, out of the storms and the winds and, and the waves and all. But he says, when your life is built upon the rock, when it is built upon truth, when those storms come, when those winds and waves happen, then you know what? Your life still stays intact. Your relationship with Christ is what helps you and you persevere through those difficulties and those hardships as, as God himself upholds you and helps you. He says in verse 26, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and, and great was its fall. 
And so here we see that Jesus now talking about that foolish person who doesn't build it on the rock, but builds it upon sand. And great is the fall in a person's life when their life is not based upon truth. In verse 28, it says, And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. When the rabbis and the scribes would teach, they always would quote the earlier rabbis uh, that went before them, as the rabbi so-and-so said, as so-and-so said, as so-and-so said. So they're always citing their source uh, when they were instructing. And Jesus never cited source because he is the source. And so just pure, perfect truth coming out of his mouth. They, they never heard anybody speak with such power, with such authority, and yet with such humility and grace and gentleness, never forcing anybody, never threatening anybody. He just simply offers. He offers graciously. He offers the kingdom to every single person. And he says that the wise person, they they receive that. They listen to the truth and, and they build their life upon the, uh, the rock. Hey, he says, but the, the foolish person, they, they build their life on the sand. Now, it's interesting to me that when you take solid rock and you crush it, you can crush it down into sand. What is sand? Sand is partial truths. And if you take the, the partial truths and if you're able to, uh, to put them all together, you, you have the rock. And so the person that's building their life on the, uh, the sand it is building it on kind of that smorgasbord of the truth. Some truth, a little bit of truth here and there. I like this truth. I don't like this truth. I'll, I'll cast this out. And what you end up with now uh, is uh, sand. And he says that when you put your house on mm, sand, and then the storm comes. It says that, that that is going to collapse. It is going to, to fall uh, away. Whenever I read this, I am reminded in my youth uh, when my parents took our family on a canoe trip. We had four canoes, and we had eight kids in my family and my parents. So we, we, we've got the 10 of us that are now in these four canoes, and, and we're going down, and we're going to camp out overnight. We have the car that's a day's journey down that has been parked, and we start at the headwaters, and, and we head down, and, and we have this glorious time, but it's getting to be about evening time. It's time to, to stop, and, and we can't find a place to camp pull the canoes out of the water. It's very steep all the way around us. But there was this big sandbar that was out in the middle of the, uh, of the river. And so my dad decides that we're going to camp on the sandbar in the middle of the river. And so there we were. We had our canoes and we pulled them out. We set our tents up. And no sooner <laughs> did we get our tents set up than 
tap, 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 tap. It started to rain. And so we all just went into our tents because it was raining well. As the wind came and as the rain came, uh, the, the level of the river uh, rose. And, and we're laying in our tents and all of a sudden water is coming into our tents and we're, and we're rolling towards a higher and higher ground and, and the water kept rising and, and it started to wash away things from our camp, started to float away. And we had to break a camp in the middle of the night and, and jump back into the canoes and, and all. And, and so a, a person who, who builds their life on the sand. Man, I'm telling you that for the first hour, that was a great place to camp. <laughs> right out in the middle of the river there, it was a great view of, of everything until the storm came. And when that storm came, being out in the middle of the sand was not going to be a place that was going to be able to withstand. Jesus says that you can camp wherever you want. You can build your life however you want. You can believe in whatever you want. But unless you build it upon the truth, it's not going to stand up to the trials, the difficulties, and the hardship that life is going to throw at you. He says a wise person considers this and then responds. Build your life upon the solid rock of the truth of God's word. Not part of it. Not the pieces that you're comfortable with. But every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. From Genesis to Revelation. God has revealed in truth to us. He says don't add to it. Don't take away from it. Here is the truth. Now, build your life wisely. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And God, I pray that you would help us to respond to the truth that you have revealed to us. Thank you for imparting the Holy Spirit that helps us, that guides us into all truth. And thank you for that provision of grace and mercy on a daily basis. And so, Father, we love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen.